you don't need to act like you're selling it to them. You're helping them in this journey. How can we assist you and make this experience the best experience you've ever had? The Bridge is a podcast for all businesses where the consumer purchase takes place at a physical location, but those same consumers are shopping and narrowing their choices down online. That jump from online to in-store is where most businesses struggle. Each episode, we'll focus on real strategies and examples from industry experts on how to dominate this complex and competitive environment by sharing the latest trends in technology and process. In this episode, we chat with Desiree and Colin from NE Management. They joined us to share some amazing tactical insights on marketing, as well as explain how they enable their counterparts in sales. Their background in property management, construction, and even sports made for a really interesting conversation. Let's jump right in. All right. Hey, everybody out there. We are excited for this episode. I am Andy Medley. With me, Mohammed Yassin. Hello. We got a dynamic duo this week um, from NE Management. We have Colin and Desiree who uh, run marketing for NE and uh, have a wealth of experience and a wealth of knowledge that they're going to share. We're going to dive in. Desiree, your job is to make sure that uh, their properties are full and the residents are happy and that that you're doing it cost effectively. Correct. Awesome. All right, Colin. So you fit in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, So day to day managing our listings across the board, um, down to our reviews and um, responding to the reviews, um, managing editing our websites. And then primarily, I think the thing that I'm pretty good at, I think the, the thing that I try to focus on the most is our um, social media ads and our Google ads and making sure that those are running effectively. And so if we, if we take those roles and we, and we, we, we kind of apply it to what our, our typical topic is, and for this season of The Bridge, for those that are maybe just joining, we're really focused on the techniques and, and, and how to uh, enable, um, in, in this instance, the on-site teams, which basically means leasing agents to the property managers or for anybody else, the, the salesperson, um, whose job it is to take that uh, consumer who started online and how do you take that data or that lead that converted online and turn it into an in-person sale. Mm-hmm. And um, that, is a, that is a difficult navigation, right? And so uh, maybe we start with the challenges a little bit uh, for you guys as you, as you start to execute and think about it. So what's hard and what's easy with that? So I think our biggest challenge is going to be in property management, we refer to it as the three P's. The only failures or non-success attributes is people, price, or product. So if something's not leasing, that's usually what we look at. So if the traffic is getting there, why are we not closing? And so your on-site staff is always going to tell you the price and product right? They're never going to, they're never going to, it's me. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. No, never. Um, so, and we always look into all three, of course. So if we see, you know, a weakness somewhere in any of those divisions, obviously we're not in charge of people, but we're in charge of ensuring that they're trained to do their best. Mm -hmm. And so we might do a secret shop, we might listen to one of their phone calls, we might reach out um, to the manager, you know, hey, Susie, it sounds like Jackie's, you know, a little weak on the phone. 
here's some video tutorials. Would you like us to get on a call with her? Do you see that she does better in person? Is she better on the phone? You know, maybe she's getting them in the door. She's super strong on the phone, but maybe once they get in the door, she's a little bit more reserved and not as pushy to close the deal. Yep. So you break the journey up that way. So you right. think about it on, you think about it from uh, initial contact, if that's the phone, any other techniques you're using right now besides that? So on the phone and then we schedule the, um, the secret the, shop. Yeah, the yeah. secret shop. So when people go, they're getting from start to finish pretty much, mm -hmm. right? They're there, they're going on the tour so we can listen to the calls but we can't necessarily show up at the property because they know our faces and they're probably going to try to be on their A-game whenever they're giving mm -hmm. us a tour. Um, so if it's an unfamiliar face, that's more of a, a better understanding of how they're treating, treating a potential prospect, right? Yeah. So then we can really say, all right, well, you're doing great on the phone, just like Desiree talked about, but then how are they doing on the tour? Are they trying to close the deal? How are they doing whenever they get into a unit and pinpointing the, the different uh, selling points that we have? So you know, that initial contact is a tough one. Um, lo and behold, they convert um, into a known entity. They're no longer an anonymous visitor. They're a they're a lead mm -hmm. with a name and a uh, maybe they're giving you a bunch of different information based on whatever conversion tools you're using. What's best practice for you? What do you want that experience to be for the consumer from the time that they've injected themselves into the website and let the let any management know who they are? What do you expect that first contact where you guys start to say, "All right, now I'm going to reach out and try and get you to." do that all important drive to the property to actually see that physical location. What do you want the experience to be? And I think this is a big one too, because, you know, we're talking about a, you know, an era where the amount of data that a salesperson is getting is far more than it would have been you know, five, 10, 15 years ago. Right. right. And, um, you know, sales is one of those things. If you're good at sales, right, it's a special muscle to flex, right? Mm -hmm. you, if you're good at it, you're going to be in it for a long time and you start building some habits and those mm -hmm. habits are the things that actually help make you successful, yep. right? Um, and the consistency in those is what drives your results. And now you're talking about a scenario where, you know, a lead may have five, 10, 15, 20 different data points that you're just not used to having. Yep. You're mm -hmm. used to maybe reading that uh, in person when you show up yeah. and kind of figuring it out. Right. How, do you, how do you as a marketer who's providing those leads without really rich data help enable them and train them and support them? So I always like to compare it when the lead has that much data coming along with it. It's not really a cold call. You should really know that mm. person yeah, at that's that good. point. That's a good point. Yeah. So we don't want to be in the realm of like a telemarketer. Hi, Andy. I'm Desiree. You're looking for an apartment. That doesn't make me want mm -hmm. to talk to you any longer. But if we got data that Andy has two dogs, Larry and Reggie, he has two daughters. I do have two dogs, Larry and Reggie. I'm a name person. That is not what I expect. But you read the lead information with the data. Okay, you might not remember the two dogs' names, but he has two dogs. He's going to feel like that's a more personalized experience for him and that that person truly wants to help him find his next home. And that's the main goal is finding a home is a big deal. For sure. It's a huge part of your life. And it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's an investment. And you don't need to act like you're selling it to them. You're helping them in this journey. How can we assist you and make this experience the best experience you've ever had? Yeah. So the more personalized you are and the more time you give them, mm -hmm. um, you never want to feel and that you're at a doctor's office and there's 13 people waiting behind you. Sure. Even if the office is full, you give them as much time as they need 
to feel like you've given them every bit of attention that's necessary. But in the same aspect, creating a sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's okay, Susie. We have 10 more of that unit. Never. We have one. (laughs) We have one. This is it. The prices change daily. I'm not sure what tomorrow is going to bring. So personalized with a sense of urgency and those phone calls, really the main objective for those phone calls is setting an appointment. And you can get into a rhythm very easily. Just the day to day, you kind of get caught up in it and you're have your list of follow-ups, right? And you're really just viewing them as a check mark, right? You're just kind of running through them. Are you really taking every chance that you can to capitalize on this is a prospect that could come in you can set an appointment for? Because a lot of times we do just see, well, you're just, you're following up, but how good are you following up? Are you using all this data that we talk about to make sure that you're trying to get them in and ultimately lease? Mm-hmm. So yeah, making sure that we have all those measures in place that we can track that stuff. So what's the uh, what's the expectation for, um, I'm just going to use a general term here, sales, instead of saying leasing agent or whatever. Sure. What's the general uh, uh, best practice for sales to be prepared for that phone call? Leasing agents generally are not in the industry, right? You start out, you're new, you're not sure. And so um, we've implemented where they have a mouse pad at their computer. It's kind of a phone script. Hi, my name is Desiree, mm-hmm. you know. Thank you for calling such and such property. How may I help you? And then it'll go into, you know, oh, that's great. You're needing a two bedroom. When are you looking to move? And usually we would like them to close the call with, you know, what does this afternoon or tomorrow look like for you? I'd love for you to stop by and take a tour of our community um, so I can show you around. Um, So setting that appointment. Generally speaking, if it's during you know, business hours, um, we would like any incoming lead to have a follow-up no more than two hours after the lead comes in. Oh, wow. In. Okay. That's great. Um, it's um, best practice. It just doesn't usually actually yeah. get practiced, yeah. you know? Right, right. Right. And, you know, that's a huge thing, response time. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're sending in any information to anywhere, the general consumer is impatient. Mm-hmm. They want answers right away. And so if you didn't respond instantly, they're probably looking somewhere else. Yep. That's so true. So I, I, I have a question around around that one. So property managers, leasing agents, I mean, it's more than just following up on leads as far as their day-to-day responsibilities, 100%. right? Something yes. something breaks with the property, they need to go handle Absolutely. it, right? Mm-hmm. Something's happening outside, they need to go outside and, and, and take care Correct. of that. Best practice for kind of managing that world-class lead follow-up while still handling all the day-to-day random things that you can't really foresee popping up like how do you make sure that they're they're taking care of to be able to actually handle that and be successful at both in most of our properties we have a property manager an assistant manager and then one or two possibly more um, leasing agents and everyone really plays a different role in the user experience, Mm -hmm. but also in taking care of the property. So the manager's ultimate role is to make sure that everyone's role has been completed for the day. Mm -hmm. So if a leasing agent has to leave and go home sick, not only does the manager need to make sure that rent is collected and the work orders are processed, 
but she should also make sure that all of the leads that were assigned to that leasing agent have either been reassigned to someone else or she takes them on for herself. It's a lot of responsibility. So um, just ensuring that they feel supported, like I said before, we're an extension of their staff. Um, if someone's going to be out for a long period of time and you know it's prime leasing season and leads are rolling in the door, I might send someone from my team to go to mm, the site and mm-hmm. stay for a few days at a time to help them just you know kind of be able to take on everything. Colin's done it. I've done mm. it. You know, we all play a vital role in ensuring that the property is as successful. And a lot of times I feel like they think that we're showing up and <laughs> they're in trouble or something. But um, really, it's just, again, we're, we're, we always try to tell them that we're uh, an extension of their team. We want to help them as much as we can. Right. Um, and then it's good for us to kind of go to the property every once in a while and just get a feel for the property itself and the market. So that's always kind of what we're trying to do. We always like to get to the property as much as what we can, just to get the boots on the ground feel, mm-hmm. feel for the, the, the environment itself. These are all practices and, and processes that you're trying to put in place. And ideally, you have a measurement behind the scenes that's telling you whether or not it's improving. That starts at the quality of the traffic that's coming in. Uh, that starts at the quality of your website and whether or not they're converting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it moves on to the salesperson, whether or not they're actually converting those leads into, into leases. What's the, uh, what are some of the metrics you're looking at along the customer journey? I mean, again, go back to the Google Analytics and how it's performing on the website, but they came from somewhere, right? Um, so how well it starts from one of our, if it's if we're specifically talking about digital, how well are those campaigns performing? And if we're driving the, the correct traffic to the site, mm-hmm. how, I mean, are they clicking the, clicking the link and then they're immediately coming off? Are we targeting the correct audience there? Or is it something on the website that will so bounce rate in that instance? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So we're... We're always trying to improve the site because generally our campaigns are trying to drive traffic to the site, which we hope that we have everything on the site that's going to engage them and then get them to um, convert. Yep. Call, so, so what? Not since you're looking the, at like the, uh, uh, traffic to traffic to lead, is that a, is that a number you look at? Sure. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, we don't. Um, so overall, incoming traffic is obviously a metric we use to ensure that whatever marketing spend we have is in place is mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, traffic to visit is sometimes hard. Mm-hmm. If it's not a qualified piece of traffic, I don't expect them to exert a lot of effort in getting that person to come in to set sure. an appointment. However, if that piece of traffic came in our door, we expect a lot more in that closing ratio and conversion because they came there for a reason. And so... You mean if they actually went to the physical location? Correct. So an in-person visit to lease conversion is more of a benchmarking metric that we look at more so than traffic all the way to lease Uh because you lose a lot in the middle of that for sure so colin really watches the digital to traffic and then we kind of leave a little bit of a gap from traffic to visit Mm -hmm. we don't harp on that as Mm -hmm. much but once it becomes an in-person visit to lease close right on that that's and, and we drill that all the way down to by leasing agent by floor plan type by day of the week that they've come in. Mm. There's a lot of metrics behind that that we use. Um, you know, if we're getting a 
a ton of visits on Monday, and that's when yeah. our weekend people take the day off, then maybe we need to reevaluate mm-hmm. our, our schedules, right? So there's so many different factors that go into each da- piece of data that we get that really is a rabbit hole of 30 other things that most people don't think about. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, times of the day. When are we taking lunches? You know, when are we doing a staggered schedule of, you know, maybe not everyone needs to be there at nine, but maybe some people need to stay after six, you know, just making sure. And that also goes way past leasing. That even follows into resident retention because you really want to make sure you have that back door closed. You know, once they live there, you don't want them to leave, Mm -hmm. especially leave with a bad experience. And we have such a large portfolio that we would love if they had to leave that they transferred to a sister site. And if you're constantly staying on top of the resident retention, you should never question, are they happy or are they going to leave? So there's so many different pieces of data that we use along this journey to make sure that on-site teams are as successful as they can be. That's really excellent. So you, you, I hear you're talking a lot about da- data as a whole, how you're using it in your own lives, how you're actually using that to activate I think, change across the organization and enable a lot of the sales teams and, and on-site teams. I mean, we talk to people also that are not using data quite to the level that you are. Right. Yeah. We hear that I, I, would, often. I would put you on the on the outer edge of that for sure. Right? I love which hearing I, that though. Which yeah. I love, yeah. which I absolutely yeah. love. Um, but for, for, for someone that is maybe looking at the idea of using some of that data but is a little bit intimidated about getting started because it's a lot to it's a lot to process, for right? Sure. To, to be, you know, to be honest. Starting points for like just, just general metrics to start with that mm-hmm. can get them some value while also not spending a lot of their time and kind of getting their feet wet. On, on, on kind of that data-based marketing and sales enablement, where, where, where do you start? I'm very much of the mindset, you don't put all of your eggs in one basket. So we use projected occupancy and trends of the property and the overall sub-market that the property is in to justify ad spend. So we might not be in every ILS, but we're in the one that makes the most sense and that has driven the most traffic. We might not have the highest Google ad or social ad Mm -hmm. spend, but we're competitive in that market. Taking it small chunks at a time for sure or dividing it up within your team. So for call-in, it's very much um, search and social, Google Analytics, um, that key piece of it where mine is more of the analytics of the day-to-day operations and connecting all of the pieces back to the budget. It's a lot to take on, but it's so beneficial in this day and age and marketing for any marketing, not just multifamily, that unfortunately all companies want to sell you all services. And a lot of times you're trying to justify how to incorporate all of their services in your budget when in actuality, less is more. So I know, um, you know, Colin is in it all the time looking at, you know, how competitive we are on the digital side of it. And, you know, sometimes he'll come to me like, 
these people are always showing up ahead of us and then we'll find out they're spending an astronomical yeah. amount of money and you just have to be okay with not being ahead of them at that point mm-hmm. and i will say on like the the website <laughs> analytics so like if you're at a point where you don't have Google Analytics set up internally um, and you're relying on um, your website provider to give you that data, I would strongly suggest to go ahead and figure out how to get that onto your site where you're managing it internally, at least maybe not even managing, just so that you have it, right? And then you can start to explore that you don't have to do it right away, right? Just so that you have it on your site so that it's starting to to collect that data. And then you can go in and slowly start playing with it, see the areas that you feel like are the most important. And then as you're learning it, since it's already collected that data, you're able to um, circle back around and compare. So you you did it in January um, and you weren't necessarily up to date with it right then. You didn't know all the different things that it could do, but then you circle back around in you know, November, and now you're starting to get more familiar with it, you're able to use that data that you already had to compare to how you're doing now, right? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So just, I think getting um, the numbers on your site where you're able to collect that data and to begin using it is um, probably the biggest um, point that I could say on the digital side. So what's the, um, what's the challenge right now for you? So sometimes less is more. So trying to get on-site staff to understand not to focus so much on the quantity of traffic, more so the quality of the traffic and making sure that because we're reducing the amount of traffic that we truly are using our best closing techniques on the ones that are coming in because they're ready to move forward. And then not only is it tools such as Perk to help qualify them, but for like what Colin does, making sure that we're speaking to the right audience, mm-hmm. make sure making sure we're putting ourselves in front of people that care and want mm-hmm. to know about that mm-hmm. instead of, you know, wasted ad spend. Sometimes our sites will send us a message like, can you run us a Facebook ad? And we're like, it's running. Promise well, we, well, we, we don't see going. it. <laughs> well, yeah. that's right. You don't see it. You don't, it's not for you. Yeah. You, don't live, you don't live in downtown Oklahoma City. You're not living in an apartment yeah. and you haven't searched. And please do not go search yeah. because don't you're using exactly. our money yeah, don't click just on that. to prove to yourself. Yeah. So I, I think it's just really educating um, the site staff. Like I said, marketing evolves so quickly. And when you're on site, you don't really get that whole understanding. And so um, just trying to educate our staff better and understanding what we're doing and that we truly are, like Colin said, sometimes they feel like they're in trouble when we go there, truly helping them understand we're here to help you. We're here to support you. And if if something isn't working or you feel like it's not right for you, just raise your hand so that we can look into it. Yeah. Yeah. On one of the digital sides, again, circle back on one of the uh, difficulties that we're experiencing is a lot of times we'll open a new property that we already kind of have a few properties in the market. So we understand the market. We know kind of who we're going after. Um, And then we have some like um, Odessa, Texas, where we don't necessarily have our demographic pinpointed and exactly who we're going after in the market because uh, it's uh, completely different, right? So um, learning the, the different markets is one of our challenges but again just collecting as much data as we can and making sure that we're utilizing it and not just collecting it and making sure that we're utilizing it and can strategize moving forward with it what's changing in five years i love talking about it 
there's a little, I mean, a little bit of, I don't know, you're a little scared talking about it, I guess, <laughs> but I think it's just going to continue to become more digital heavy, right? Specifically in our industry, we've seen where people spend more time on websites and they're going to look at different sites that they um, could potentially be moving to, right? And then they'll only go to one. They'll mm -hmm. only actually visit the one. So you don't have a whole lot of time to really grab them. So you need to make sure that the face of your business online is your website. Facebook page, right? And you're utilizing every possible thing that you can um, to make sure that they're going to convert. One of the things that we really believe in and we think is going to be crucial moving forward is um, virtual tours. You know, because we see that it's moving in that direction, people spend more time um, on the websites. They need to really feel the property um, before they actually get there. And what better way than actually walking through an apartment? Um, with a virtual tour that's so that's great. one of the things that we're really excited to to get going we have a few on, on a few of our properties but um to really get them on all of our properties because we feel like it's going to be a necessity in the next few years yeah and it's already changed so much um they used to say someone looking for an apartment would visit seven properties before making a decision mm -hmm. the 2020 reports are showing one possibly two so, so their minds are already made up mm -hmm. yeah and so they've looked online, they figured it out, they're going one place and it better fit what they're looking for. And so that's why it goes back to educating that on-site staff and the closing technique. This is your one shot, you know, and they're only going one place after you. And if that one place after you makes a better impression, you know, right. you're not going to see them again for a year. That's oh, right. Wow. So I've heard a lot, just kind of summarize a lot of things here. Uh, you talked a lot about data, right? And using it not only in your lives, but also to enable the rest of your teams. Mm -hmm. Talked a lot about uh, kind of that team mentality or team environment, right? How can the marketing and sales teams really work very closely together? Right. How can you support them as a teammate and a peer, right, uh, you know, with your counterparts? Talked, talked a lot about that. I keep hearing a lot of threads of video. You've mentioned that multiple times, not only just in the tour piece, but also when you were yep. back talking about training for the on-site teams. I heard you mention video as well, which is super, super exciting. Um, and you've talked a lot about the metrics that are really, really important to you and some of those changes that are happening. For someone out there, kind of just getting their feet wet and getting started, they're trying to figure out all of this. One tip, kind of walking away now, right? One tip for really driving support of that on-site team. What do you think? I would say customer service. You don't ever want anyone to feel like they're just a number. First impressions are huge. It's the face of the company, the face of the brand. So even if you aren't sure of all of the data and you aren't sure how to train, if the hospitality and customer service is there, a lot of times they're going to see past all of the other flaws that might exist and pick you because they feel welcome and they feel wanted. So, you know, we have a small team for the size portfolio we have. So we don't have uh, yet an on-site training team, which is something um, we would love to have in the future. And so um, just, you know, reaching out and I can't make it to every property every year. Um, that's a lot of travel um, and a lot of time. But picking up the phone, how's it going? What can we help you with? We have yearly manager meetings, um, yearly leasing agent meetings, and just making them feel supported. So customer service for the actual customer coming in right, the door, right. but 
a corporate customer service for your employees also. All right, Colin, Desiree, this was great. Thank you so much for making the trip down. All right, take care. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Bridge. If you liked what you heard, be sure to jump into the conversation online by following The Bridge Pod hashtag on LinkedIn. And as always, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks and stay well.